Um, I don't have any scientific data to back this statement up, but I'm going to jump out of the limb and I'm going to say it, and hopefully you won't disagree. So, again, no scientific data at all. Our country is super offended, y'all. <laughs> Holy cow. Like, have you noticed this? Like, I mean, anything. You could say anything and someone's going to get offended, right? It's crazy. Um, and so today we're going to answer the next question. Um, if you're here um, for the first time, we're doing a series called Asking for a Friend. And so what we've allowed people in the church to do is ask us questions that they're asking for a friend, but we all know they're asking for themselves, right? So um, we also reserve the right to pick a few questions, and so this is one that I picked because I believe that God has given, I mean, I just um, know that today, like sometimes we preach messages and they're good, but sometimes you preach messages like, holy cow, like that was for us right like right now. That's what this message is. So I'm going to challenge you to keep your, your heart open, like, get your, get your Bibles out, get your notes out, like, take notes, whatever you want to do. But, like, just listen to what the Lord is saying. Because here's the thing. Here's the question that we don't want to answer. Why am I offended? Can I just say that's a stupid question? Now, if you were thinking that, you're not stupid. But the reason why that's not a good question is because what we're going to find out today is everybody gets offended. Like, it's kind of part of being a human. So if you look at the person next to you, go ahead, look at them, just... Don't be weird about it. Just take a look at them. Chances are, before today's over, they're going to get offended. They might be offended by the way you just looked at them. It's possible, right? So the question we don't want to answer is, why am I offended? The question that we want to answer today is, how can I overcome offense? Okay? Because Luke 17.1, you don't have to turn there. Luke 17.1, Jesus said this. It's impossible. He said there will always be temptations to sin. Now, in the King James Version, and and full disclosure, I don't read that version a lot, but in the King James Version, it says this, it's impossible for offenses not to come. So what Jesus was saying to his disciples was, listen, y'all, it's going to happen. Something's going to happen. You're going to get offended. It's impossible for us not to get offended. So Jesus is saying this. Jesus knows what he's talking about. So I think sometimes we try to stop getting offended, but here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to learn how to stop staying offended. There's a big difference, okay? So like some of y'all already know right now, I am so glad I brought my spouse with me today, right? It's like I, the, I'm, I'm glad my friends here. I'm glad my, I'm glad my teenagers are here. Like I'm so glad the person that needs to hear this is with me. And others of you are like, I'm so glad I came today because I really need this message, right? So today we're going to talk about like how, how can we overcome Offense. Um, Here's why this is important. Because an offended church will never bring hope to an offended country. Okay? So it's one thing for us to go, like, wink, wink, nod, nod. Everybody's crazy and going, they're all getting offended. But the truth of the matter is we're part of that. Right? So if we stay offended as a church, we'll never be able to help our friends that don't know Jesus that are offended. Okay? So here's, you can turn to Acts chapter 16. If you've got your Bibles or Bible app, just Turn to Acts 16. That's where we're going to be most of the day. And I'm just going to give you three simple strategies to overcome offense. And then we're going to wrap this message up in a way that's um, different than probably anything that you've ever been a part of, which will be cool. So um, first things first, uh, we can put Acts 16.8 up on the screen. I want you to see, I mean 16.18, I want you to see that Paul, this is Paul, like not me Paul, right? This is Paul that wrote a lot of the New Testament. So if we're categorizing believers as 
kind of good believers and like, holy cow, stratosphere, never, I'll never be that close to Jesus. Would you agree that Paul would be somewhere up in this area, right? And this is what Paul, Paul says. He says, this went on day after day, and we'll, we'll talk about the whole story, until Paul got so exasperated. So let me just give you a little study on that word exasperated in the Greek. It means offended. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, got offended. I did a little bit more of a deep dive in that, in that word, and here's what the whole thing means. It means to be troubled, displeased, offended, pained, and here's my best definition. I love this. This is actually what the Greek word means, to be worked up. You know anybody like that? Yeah. Man, people get worked up. And so what I want you to see first and foremost, and this will set a lot of you free, because a lot of you feel so much guilt about being offended. Well, if I really love Jesus, that wouldn't have bothered me so much. What I want you to see is that Paul, who really loved Jesus, got worked up. So being offended is not abnormal. What we want to learn is what did Paul do to get over that? Because that's where we want to be, yes? I want to overcome that offense. So um, let's just talk through the first of the three strategies. Here it is. You need to recognize the season that you're in. Recognize the season that you're in. Can I, can I just submit this? There are times that we are more likely to be offended. Okay, let me give you some scriptural ones first. Um, how about after a really big victory? So 1 Kings 19, Elijah has just battled all these um, false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, and he won. And then we find him in the next chapter offended because he's the only one serving Jesus. Sounds like something that we would say as we serve Jesus, doesn't it? Like we look around. I can remember um, and being a teenager and we would do these service events where we would meet our youth pastor and then we'd go out to somebody's house and like rake leaves. And we were in a youth group of like, you know, 30, 40 kids. But on those days, you know how many we had. Hundreds of kids would show up. At some other place, but at our place, right, like we'd have like three, and I'd be one of the three because my parents were like, you're going. You know, I'd have a choice. Have rake, we'll travel, you know. And I can remember raking leaves, and he would just get so mad. God, why are those other kids that say they love Jesus? You would rake faster, you know. But, man, sometimes after a great victory, when we've done the right thing, we can find ourselves getting offended, and so here's Elijah saying to God, like, I'm the only one. God, look around. I'm the only one. So after a great victory, sometimes we tend to let our guard down and we can find ourselves open for offense. How about um, when we're tired? <laughs> also in King, 1 Kings 19, if you read the whole five verses of Elijah's rant against God, the last thing it says is, after right after he says, just kill me. I mean, you know you're offended when you're saying to God, just it'd be better if I died. And then the next verse says, and then he fell asleep. That's a man who's tired. Anybody in here ever been tired like that? And when you're tired, like I think about parents of small children, right? You finally get them in bed. You do that super spiritual thing where you turn on the TV just not even to watch it, you just, you're exhausted. 
And then what do they do? That's the night that they need water like five times. You don't want to give them any water because you know if you give them water, they're going to get up later because they've had an accident. And it's like, I'm just so tired. And before long, you can find yourself like snapping at your kids. Just go to bed. You're offended by your kid because you're tired, right? And Elijah was offended because he'd, he'd seen this great victory. He'd also, he was tired. And let me just suggest one more, one more thing. You can get offended during a really big task. Jonah chapter 4. So God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel, preach the good news. And so he shares with them. And, and then they repent. And he finds himself, after all that's over with, he's just been a part of this big task. And he's sitting under a tree and he's ticked off. And who's he offended by? God. Seriously, God? Don't you know that I hate those people? And you're going to save them? And you use me to do it? Are you kidding me, God? Now, he didn't say all that. He just said, I should just die. I don't have any shade. I don't know what it is. There's a connection here, right? Like being offended and wanting to die. I'm not sure what that is. We'll just leave that alone. But here, here's the thing. There are certain seasons in our lives, and, and we could go down the list, and you could, you could name people that you know that don't even love Jesus, but they're in one of those seasons, and they're offended. Because they're tired, because they're overwhelmed, because they just won a great victory and now they're not even thinking about it. And boom, just like that, somebody says something like, man, that was the best sermon I ever preached. And somebody's going to come to me after this and go like, you picked out that shirt? <laughs> just kill them, God. Just kill them. Like, so seasons, okay. Now, if you're in Acts 16, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but I want to point out to you some, some of the seasons that Paul was in before he encountered this thing that agitated him so much. Okay, here's some things that happened. Beginning of the beginning of that chapter, just jot them down. At the very beginning of the chapter, he just added Timothy to the ministry team. Right after that, he is seeking and receiving direction from God. This is the season of life that he's in. Um, can we just make this super, super practical? He just added Timothy to the team. If you're a business owner, this would be like adding somebody new to your staff. If you're a teacher, maybe a new student comes in the room. This is where Paul was. He just, there was a status quo, and then it got shook up a little bit because God said, we're going to bring somebody else into the mix. That's the season he was in. And then in the midst of all that, the new person is looking at Paul going, so I'm on the team, what do we do now? And Paul, being the fearless leader that he was, said, uh, keep walking. And if you read this, what you'll find is they tried to go north, and the Spirit said you can't go there. They tried to go south, and they couldn't go there. And they just kept walking the only way that they could go until they got to Myrtle Beach. But they called it Troas. And they put their toes in Troas, and his new team members like, what's the deal? This is the season that Paul's in. He has a vision. You should come to Macedonia. And so the next season of his life is not only did he get direction, but now that he's in Macedonia, he's in new territory. So they're taking ground for the kingdom. Tracking with me? And then we find him in Philippi, thinking there should be a church. He goes down to a river and he finds a woman named Lydia. He's in Philippi, which is the center of Macedonia. 
And if you're not drawing connections to where he was and where our church is, I'll do that for you at the end. But you know that we're having church in the county seat, don't you? This is the season that Paul was in. And then there's expanding the kingdom into Philippi as a church plant. And in all that season, that's the season where Paul got agitated. He got worked up with this woman who was saying what sounded to be good. These are servants of the Most High God. You should listen to what they say. That's what she's saying. That sounds like the right thing to say. But after a couple of days of that, he was just like, what is going on with me? Why is this bothering me so much? Why am I so agitated? Sometimes the very offense is what should cause us to investigate why are we offended. Recognize the season that you're in. And that's the first step. Here's, here's the next thing we do. After, well, so, okay, let me just say this first. That's where most people stay. Most of us are smart enough. You don't, have, you don't even have to love Jesus to recognize the season. Most of us, like, somewhere around December the 20th, we're going to snap, right? And, and, and we're going to beat ourselves up. We're going to be like, why am I so stressed? This is the season for, like, rejoicing and glad tidings and all this. And I just want to kill people. I just want to wring their necks. You don't have to love Jesus to feel that way. You just have to be somebody who's buying presents at Walmart, right? And you're going to recognize the season. But here, now this, is, this is critical. If you want to overcome offense, you've got to move past that. It's not enough just to recognize the season that we're in. And, and, and Paul realized the source of the offense. That's the second strategy. You've got to realize the source. Now, I'm going to tell you what the source of offense is, okay? Spoiler alert, it's Satan. We wear these shirts and we put these memes up, not today, Satan, and we have no idea what we're saying, right? But, like, he recognized this is, this is the source. Realize the source. Now, let me just tell you in Scripture how we know that the source of offense is Satan. Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 12 says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight against powers and spiritual forces. Matthew 24.10. Matthew 24.10 shows us that offense is the enemy's tactic. Look, and many will turn away. So the Greek word for turn away is the same word for offense. So many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. So we don't start off betraying and hating. We start off with offense. It's the enemy's tactic to get us started on a road to destruction. This is what he does. So back in Acts chapter 16, who did Paul talk to in this verse? This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, until Paul was so agitated, so worked up, so offended, that he turned and said to what? The demon within her. Now that's strong language, I know. So you're like, why didn't you use NIV? Because NIV says spirit, but you know, whatever. The point here is, who did he not talk to? The girl. And this is why most people stay offended. Now, now listen, what I did not say was to go to your boss tomorrow and call him or her a demon. Okay, I need to make that very clear because some of y'all were like, I like it and don't like it, right? I'm going to try it. I might need a new job. Most people stay offended because they believe this, that offense is only horizontal. 
So we talk to one another, argue with one another about how you should stop doing the thing that's agitating me. But, but Paul realized the source, and he rebuked it. Now, rebuke is a strong word, and rebuke simply means to set right. He went vertical. Do you see that? We stay horizontal. He went vertical. It's like, hold it. This is not a physical thing. This is a spiritual thing. And so he turns to the woman but says to the spirit and rebukes it. You want to overcome offense? You've got to see the source behind the offense. It's not enough just to be agitated. You need to investigate what's agitating you. You need to ask yourself this question, why am I feeling so worked up? Realize the season that you're in. Recognize the season. Oh, oh, I'm tired. Oh, oh, okay, we're, we're taking ground. Oh, that's right. We just added this. Oh, here's how things have changed. Recognize the season and then realize the source of it. Oh, Satan, not today. You're not going to come in here and mess up what God's doing. And listen, I'm telling you, Paul did that. Paul knew we are taking ground from the enemy. We are in Macedonia. No one's ever been here before. We're in Philippi. No church here. We're bringing the gospel and the light to a very dark place. Huh, what do you know? I'm worked up. I'm offended. And if he had stayed horizontal, he would have just had a shouting match with that girl, and she would have won because he would never have stepped into the destiny God had for him spiritually. Can I just encourage you with this? Recognize your season, realize the source of this offense, and deal with it vertically, not horizontally. And again, please don't call your boss a demon. Just internally, just recognize Satan is at work here. John 10.10 10 says that Jesus came to give us life and Satan came to give us peace. Is that what it says? No. Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. And I'm telling you right now, offense is how he does it. And some of you in here this morning, I love you. Offense has robbed you. It is robbing you. And that's not the plan of God. So we've got to get a revelation that this is vertical, not just horizontal. And when we do that, we're ready for the last strategy. Now listen, before I tell you the last strategy, let me just tell you the rest of Paul's day. Okay, so he, we talk, you know the season he's in. He rebukes the spirit. He, realize, he you know, realizes the source, rebukes it. And then because he does that, the crowd goes crazy and cheers. Is that what happens? No. He gets, he gets flogged. And if you know anything about flogging, that's like, you know, like what they did to Jesus. That's like where they like rip shreds off your back with sharp pottery and stuff that's in like these straps. It's not fun. He gets flogged. And he gets thrown in jail, and he gets locked up, his feet are in shackles. I mean, that's just like overboard, isn't it? We flogged you so you can barely even move. Now we're going to put you in an inner cell of the prison, and now we're going to put stocks, your feet in stocks, just in case you miraculously get better from the flogging. You can't, you can't get out. That's what he got as a result of rebuking the source. It was almost like you said, not today, Satan, and Satan said, oh, that's what you think. Let's go a little further. Now, let me just ask you this question. If it was you, if I just, and, and some of you have had bad days. If it was you at the end of that day, 
and you were locked up in prison, what would come out of your mouth? What would come out of my mouth? Can I just answer for you? Complaining? Blaming? We would have a grudge against the jailer, the judge. We'd have a grudge against God. But that's not what came out of Paul's mouth. What came out of Paul's mouth was praise. Now, how can anybody go through all that Paul went through and have praise come out of his mouth? And I'm going to submit this as the answer. Because he did the first two steps. Because when that woman was agitating him, when the spirit from the enemy was agitating him, instead of fighting with a woman about that, he recognized there's a reason why I'm agitated, there's a reason why I'm offended, and it's because we're taking ground from the enemy, and the enemy is using this woman to try to stop me. And he, real, he realized that, he rebuked it, and he was free from the offense, even though he was in prison. And because he was free from the offense in prison, guess what he was able to do? Praise. The third step, he was able to release the spirit into the offensive situation. Man, that's what I want for us. I want our praise to release the spirit into the circumstance. And listen, not so that we can be free, but so everyone can be free. We're so focused on me. If I can just get my stuff together. And what we see in the story is that God wanted to use Paul and Silas to free everybody. Now, a couple things, and then we'll land this plane. If you read that story, here's what you'll find. About midnight, the worst part of the night, when they're sore the whole deal, they started to sing praise. And it says that everyone heard them. It did not say everybody sang with them, right? So sometimes we come to church, we're like, why aren't people singing? Because they don't have a song. It's not rocket science, right? And Paul and Silas, they, didn't, they weren't yelling at all the other prisoners, sing it out with us, y'all. They were just releasing the spirit. They really released their praise. And it says everybody listened. And then it says that the stocks came off, that they were set free, that all the doors opened, that all of the prisoners at the same time were set free, all of them. Even the people who didn't think that they needed to be there, the people that were bad, the people that hadn't changed their life, they hadn't been scared straight yet. Like they were all set free to the point that the jailer was going to kill himself. Why would a jailer kill himself? Because he knew that if they were all gone the next day, he was going to be killed. That was the penalty. He would be killed because the prisoners got out. And so what did Paul and Silas do? They told all those prisoners to stay. And they did. I, I, I want to make sure you're getting this. They had the opportunity to run out and see the man get killed who had put them in prison. Yeah, maybe you don't relate to holding grudges, but I kind of doubt it. They had a chance to get revenge. And instead, they stayed, and he got redemption. Let 
Let me just say this. Big idea. God wants us free from offense because he wants to free the offender. See, a lot of us want to be free from offense because it just drives us crazy. And it does drive us crazy. But he wants to free us from offense because he wants to free the offender. And guess who he wants to use to do that? You and me, us. How do we overcome offense? We recognize the season that we're in. Can I just connect a few dots for you? We are Paul. Our church has just taken ground in the heart of the the city, the county that we're called to. It doesn't get any more Philippi and Macedonia than that. Things are new for us right now. The status quo has been shaken a little bit. I'm not surprised that some of you are offended because that's what happened to Paul. I put in my journal, just so you know that it's not about just y'all, it's me too. It's like I put in my journal this week in big, big letters. Acts 16, 18. Paul, because you know that's my name, Paul was greatly annoyed. Because that's what one of the versions says. And I mean, I wrote it in big letters underneath. I said, God, your word is so true. But instead of us, like, staying horizontal with it, what we need to be doing is recognizing the season that we're in. We are in a season where we are being used by God to take ground. We're actually doing what we prayed for for so long, which is fill us with your spirit so we can proclaim freedom for the captives. Like, God is, he's positioning us. He's networking us for people that are going to begin using our space to see people set free. And we're surprised that the enemy would try to agitate us. So I'm calling you as a church to recognize the season that we're in. And I'm asking you as a church to realize the source of that. The source of your offense is not the person you're offended by. The source of your offense is an enemy who wants to distract us from what we've been called to do. And here's what we've been called to do. To set captives free. What God's challenging us with is we all thought that the way we would set them free is that we would step up on a hill and live in a big mansion and call out to all the peasant people, be free. But what God said is, no, 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 my strategy is to put you where they are, in prison, and use your voice there to release my spirit in that place and change the atmosphere and set them free. And you'll never survive prison. If you're still in prison in here. So here's how we're going to end this morning. We're going to go to jail. It was dark in jail. Can we pull that off? Now I can see who's texting. Me, apparently. (laughs) Listen, it was dark in jail. Here's who was in jail. Some people who were supposed to be, some people who weren't supposed to be. We know of at least two people in that prison cell that knew how to praise God. And they praised God for everybody, even the people that couldn't. And so this morning, here's what's going to happen. I know it's dark. Letting your eyes adjust a little bit. In that prison cell about midnight, 
when everybody else would have thought all hope was gone and when people who were struggling with offense would have been complaining, the two men in that prison who were free from offense, they began to sing out a song. They began to lift their voice in praise. And here's what happened. For people that didn't even understand what was taking place, they began to feel something shift. And I'm going to tell you this morning, we're going to play a playlist that I put together this week. And here's what I know is going to happen. You're about to get set free from offense. Because I've been singing this set list over you all week long. And as God begins to move in your heart, man, just respond to him. You know, the first song is going to be kind of dark. It's going to be just like this. But as it progresses, we'll put up a few more lights. And if you want to come to the altar, man, do that. If you want to turn, turn to the person next to you and say, pray for me, do that. But we're releasing the spirit now in this place. And he's going to set us free. Oh. 
It's in a season like that when we release the spirit that people get set free. We don't have to do anything, struggle or strain or strive. We just simply release the spirit and he releases people. If you're here this morning and you are struggling in the area of offense, this is your day to be set free. Because the atmosphere in this room just shifted because the spirit gets released. And the worst thing we can do is walk out of here without experiencing the freedom that he desires for us. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, this resonates with me. Man, I get being agitated and annoyed and worked up and offended. And, it, man, thank you, Jesus, for telling me where I was already at. But now show me how to get out. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. And keep your hand up because here's what's going to happen. We're going to end this morning just coming to where you are. We're going to pray for you that God would just send you out of here full of the victory. I mean, you've been, you're surrounded by people who've been worshiping for about 10 minutes. And so you know we're full. Like, we're going to come just put our hands on you. And don't let that be weird if you're here for the first time. Like, why are you touching me, right? Because, listen, I think it's criminal for people to be allowed to do the Christian faith alone, right? Like, that's not the plan of God. The plan of God is that we would have people with us, walking with us. And so we just want to pray over you. Um, Father, in your name, Jesus, I thank you for this word. It is, this is a now word for our church. There's no doubt in my mind. Not because things are wrong, but because the season that we're in, God, man, we're just, we're just taking steps, and they're faith steps. We believe that you put us right here. We believe that you positioned us in this space. We believe that you positioned us in downtown Albemarle. We believe that you've put us here because there are people in this city that need to be free. But first, God, we got to be free. And so we thank you that this morning you have met us in our prison and that you bring us hope. These hands that are raised, God, I pray that you would move in their circumstances in such a way that they would be able to say, I don't know how these things came off my feet, but I'm walking out of here free. And that they would see the very people that have offended them would be set free as well. Because we didn't seek revenge, we simply sought you. And so we just release the Spirit into their lives, God. In your name, Jesus. Can we just close this out by singing with the band?
God, I thank you that you don't leave us in the places where we are. I thank you that you work in us because you want to use us, God. You want to move through us. So I pray that this entire week, God, as we walk through our days, I pray that you would help us to be aware of the season we're in, that you would help us to be aware of the things that agitate us. And instead of fighting them horizontally, we're making a decision now that we're going to fight them vertically. We're going to release your spirit into those situations, and we're going to watch you. Do the work that only you can do. Listen, y'all, I really feel strongly that God is saying this um, about marriage. So I don't even know what that what to do with that. But like this, if you're here this morning and you and your marriage needs this, it's like that's what God's telling me right now. Just receive this, right? For whatever reason, your marriage is in that place. Can I just pray that over you and then we'll say amen. They'll sing us out and the whole thing. So God, right now in this, in this room, I know there are tons of marriages represented in this place, God. But I believe this, Lord, that you're calling us in this room in our marriages, which is so horizontal, God. Oh, my goodness. We see the same face all the time. But God, the fight is spiritual. We recognize God. We recognize where we are. We realize the source of these con the, the contention in our marriages, God, and we are choosing right now to release your spirit into our marriages, to release your spirit into those relationships, God. I pray that you would change the atmosphere in the home with your presence. The playlist would change, God, and as a result, your spirit would begin to set free marriages that feel trapped and locked spouses that feel like my my husband my wife will never change that you would begin to set that free in your name jesus amen